listening to that parable that we read. This will be the 11th parable that we've looked at in this short series, possibly um, the last one uh, that we'll look, certainly in this current short series. But see, possibly we might look at another one too next week and see. But as I've mentioned more than once, I have found in the studying of these parables of many areas of my own Christian life. We've seen, haven't we, the need to faithfully sow the seed. We've seen the need to care for even our enemies. To forgive as freely as we have been forgiven. To be ready for that time when the bridegroom comes. To have a correct heart towards prayer. To act shrewdly. Not to rely on worldly riches. To work dutifully, knowing that the Lord will do what is right. To ensure that as we were thinking on this morning, that I am counted among the sheep. Because of that, to look forward to the greatest of all time all from the parable that we've been looking at. And so as we kind of draw the study to a close, I want us to consider the parable we read earlier, knowing, as I said, the parable of the ten talents. And again, you'll be well aware of the context because we looked at that this morning and also a few weeks back when we looked at the five wise and five foolish virgins. And Jesus begins this parable by using the word again, which actually in many ways links this parable with the previous parable. Because again, we are introduced to a time of waiting. In the previous parable, they are waiting on the bridegroom coming, and coming he did. And coming he will. And here in this parable, the time scale, the waiting, is on a man returning from a journey. And in both parables, but in this one particularly, I think, what really matters matters is what we do in that in-between time. And towards us. And it all points towards the time when we will hear, as we were thinking this morning, welcome into the inheritance. And as we'll see tonight, where we will hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Don't you long to hear that on that day? Well done, good and faithful servant. Well, to hear that, we need to go about doing that. And we need to be faithful. And in the parable, we're introduced to three servants. And we will see three things that they all had in common. They all received, they all reported, and they were all in one way or other rewarded. So firstly, servants receiving. We are told a man, a wealthy man, no doubt, is about to go on a long journey. And before he, he heads off, he entrusts his 
his property to, to his servant. Now, whether it was all of his property and whether it, or whether it was just to all of these three servants, we don't know. It doesn't really matter. We are only told about three servants. And we are told that one is given five talents, one is given two talents, and one is given one talent. Now, we need to remember that what is given here is money. A talent was worth in the region of 20 years' wages. Right, so this is not kind of pocket money. This is not chicken feet we are speaking of here. And there is the expectation of the man who has given these talents that when he returns, these talents would have been put to good use and would have yielded a profit. We also see that he did not give to them the same amount. He would have known his servant's wealth. He would have known who would have been able to cope with what. And what is happening here is, this is, if you like, an investment which the master is making in these servants. And it seems to me, as I have read and studied this parable this week, that the main point of the parable is the faith going to be with what the man has given them? And we'll come to that in a minute. But there are certain lessons to draw out just from this receiving that I mentioned in the passing, but again, I just want to explore a little more tonight. And that's this. First of all, as the man sets off and as he leaves his servants behind, Notice he, he doesn't abandon them. He doesn't leave them without the means to manage. He doesn't leave them to fend for themselves. He supplies their needs. Brothers and sisters, our master, Jesus, has, as it were, gone on a journey and likewise he has not left us without a means he has not left us because Jesus tells his disciples that actually it was good it was good for them John 16 verse 7 he tells them but I tell you the truth it is for your good that I am going Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. None of us, not one of us, as a child of God, are left, as it were, to fend for ourselves. He has supplied us with what we need. And he has supplied us with what he knows we can cope with. Secondly, we see that he gave differing amounts. As I said, I think that shows he knew what they were capable of coping with. We can rest assured, brothers and sisters, that God will give us what we are able to manage. It is for us to be faithful in the managing of what he has given us. You see, 
If, for instance, the, the, the man had given five talents to the one that he gave one to, he'd fall on his knees. The, the servant, he, he may have been unable to cope with that heavy burden. Too much for him. Likewise, if he gave the five talent servant, who obviously with the talents he died, just the one, then he might have felt kind of disrespected and just kind of switched off and get bored. The master knows what he's doing in the distribution of the talent. And our master knows what he's doing with the distribution of talents in our lives. See, in our final point, that actually it's not the amount that matters. It's what we do with what we have. It is about us being faithful while the master is away. We all have received. We have all been given our talents. They're not the same. Church wouldn't function if they were. We're not even given the same amount. However, upon receiving them, we are expected to put them to work in order to reap the benefit. Is that of interest? Secondly, we read of the servants reporting. Off the master goes and the servants get to work, or at least two of them do. We're not told in how they were productive. We're not told how they used the talents in order to get more. But what we are told that the one with five talents doubled his yield, as did the one with the two talents. While the other servant, the one with one talent, dug a hole, hid his master's money, to the five and the two masters but they went away off to work at once that is upon receiving this trust upon giving these talents they wasted no time in using them perhaps they were spurred on by the master's trust perhaps they knew fine well that one day he's going to return and don't know when that day could be it could be tomorrow, it could be next week it could be next month, it could be next year, it could be next decade but anyway he's going to come back to give an account. Whatever it was, there was an urgency about the way they set about their work at once. It seems the third servant, why he just didn't bother. Because that, that was something that people often did in order, as it were, to, to, to hide treasure. Kind of, you know, X marks the spot. Why did he do it? Was he afraid that he might lose it? Was he afraid that he might be robbed of it? Did he take the hope that the others got more? Well, it seems not. For as we will see, the master who knew him well tells us. Verse 26. And it's pretty strong words. Kept to his allegiance, Richard said. That's why he did it. 
two of them were faithful. And two of them set about to work. One was unfaithful and was lazy and read zilch. Then we're told that after a long time, the master returned. And it was set on his mind. It was a time of reckoning. It was a time when all three had to give a report as to what they had done. The talents that had been entrusted. First up. First one of two is the one who has been given five talents. And, and notice his report is as real simple, as really straightforward. He, he says to the master, you entrusted me with five talents. See, see, I have gained five more. Kind of emphasize that word see. I think some other versions have got either looked or behold. But, but scholars point out that, that in the, we, we lose something in the translation of what is actually happening here. When we read that word see or kind of look or behold or whatever your translation says, uh, where he says, see, I have gained five more, that some, it, it carries with it an excitement. See, one writer says this, the servant is bubbling over with enthusiasm. He, he, he is thoroughly thrilled and his kind of eyes just, he, he can't wait to tell the master, look what I've done. Look how productive I've been. You gave me five, here's five more. And likewise with the second servant, that there was absolute joy in sharing with the master what they had done. Look, I've gained five more. See, I have gained two more. I've not, bring you along for the ride. Not just to be faithful, but to be fruitful. The <coughs> the joy and the delight of faithfully, fruitfully serving. And we come to the word rejoice. We're bubbling with joy in what we have done for our master. There was another servant, the one who had been entrusted with one talent, which is as we saw, was still a great deal. Though it's his reporting, it's kind of almost apologetic for his new joy. There's no exuberance from him. It's all just excuses. I know you were a hard man. Doesn't seem a hard man to me. Harvesting where you're not sowing, gathering seed where you've not scattered seeds. So, so I was afraid. Didn't know you. I'm scared of you. I went away and I hid your talent. See, look here. Here's it back. Here's what you've done. It's nothing but excuses. He had no idea how kind the master was. The master knew. And all he does is go and bury his superior. Because he's still sorry for his master. challenge quite simple to us all is what are we doing for God has he trusted to us financially talent wise gifted wise what are we doing are we at once using it 
be gone and I'd be buried with him. You see, this guy with the one talent may not have purposed to kind of done wrong. But by doing nothing, he was being obedient. I don't think he had a right understanding of God. Do we have a right understanding of our master? Does serving him bring us joy? Or are we somehow paralyzed by fear and we do nothing? Do we see the need to, as the first two servants did, react at once to be about the master's business? And it seems to me they were about the master's business until he came back. Your work for Jesus is not finished until he comes return. Might change through circumstances or whatever. But it's a kind of nice and quiet thing. Something along the lines of prayers and prayers here. Would you ever come along to prayer? There's there's a work for Jesus none but you can do. He's got a work for us all to do. And we're to be faithful in that work. We have seen in many of these parables, that, that there is a day of reporting, reckoning, accounting, call it what we may, that we will give an account. We hear something of what awaits those who are receiving, reckoning, final rewarding. Let me take kind of servants one and two first. Because I don't know if you noticed it when you were reading it, and you probably do know because you know the parable so well. But actually, if you look carefully, you will see that the commendation that they both receive and the reward they receive, they are both praised for being good and faithful servants because they have been faithful. The master says here, in a few things, five and two talents was hardly chicken feed. But anyway, they were faithful in a few things. And because of that, they will be put in charge of many things. Their reward is far greater than they could ever have imagined. But no one notice again that little one talent. Notice the invitation. your master's business. It's important that we see that the reward is not based on the total amount earned, but rather on faithful responsibility in using and living up to what God has given you. That's what the reward here is about. The reward they were faithful they received the identical joy of being welcomed into the presence and the joy and the happiness of the master. 
I'm going to have to see how these chunks weigh to get to put all that on. That's going to have to be taking a whack from it. Now you take out your chunk of it. Now you take it out of your chunk. I've been reading a lot of Spurgeon recently. His name is Spurgeon. He says in his various welcoming letters, he says, This will be the consummation of all heavenly things. Not so much that we shall have a joy of our own, and I'm sure we will, as that we shall enter in to the joy of the Lord. What a reward in this. And yet, we don't do it the servant's man to be with Jesus will be rewarded yet scripture is clear that on that day he will reward those who have been faithful well done good and faithful servant enter into the joy every other servant a reward awaiting him well I guess that um, it's a little bit like this morning and that it would have been great to finish with the joy of the Lord being portioned forever and ever and that is the case for those of us who know and trust Christ yet for those who have proved unfaithful This third servant is condemned for being wicked and for evil. The least he could have done was give it to, I don't think we should bank if the banks weren't about in that day, do we? But actually they were there, kind of for one of a better word, money lenders. Okay, he could have given it to them as a warning here against being greedy. Or being fearful. For we see that on the day of reckoning these excuses won't wash. And even what this servant had was taken from him and it was given to the one who had ten. And then, and I kind of puzzled over this all week, but uh, but we are told, we are told at the end of the parable, in rather graphic language, that the master says, throw out that worthless servant. Throw him out into the darkness where there'll be weeping and where there'll be gnashing of teeth. Losing the talent was the least of his worries, you know. Woe 
can meet her? Well, all I can meet are the brothers and sisters in, in community Christianity. He was not a true disciple. He might have worked a bit. He might have mixed with others. As we saw with the previous parable of, 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 of the ten bridesmaids, and, and even as we saw this morning of the sheep and the goats, how sometimes they grooved together. But when the time came, he was found to be unfaithful. And he was sent out to darkness, whether it be playing a national anthem. There is no one who is truly in Christ who will find himself in that situation. And these things are written for our instruction. And it's my prayer that each one here this evening will on that day hear the words of Jesus, well done, good and faithful servant. be with the Lord forever if we see him in all of his glory and in all of his splendor that we reward him and when we see him any reward will fail him because the final account says he will be cast in torments at his feet